Anyway, what's up, y'all? There's my little theme song. How's it going? Um, so tonight I'm just doing a little solo episode. Uh, been a little busy, and I'm I'm wanting to do one per week, and so that's what I'm gonna do. So tonight, maybe this will be an hour. I'm just gonna roll with it, see where this takes me. I've always got a bunch of random stuff kicking around in my head, um, and I have some amazing guests coming up that are going to join me. And the goal is to have a few episodes uh, kind of banked. And so I can keep a typical schedule. I don't know what day I'm going to release these on. I'll probably try and stick to one day. Um, we're still not there yet. We're still in. We haven't reached past the atmosphere if we're taking off this podcast from the earth as if it were a rocket. Um, but so today I'm just yeah going to riff. I do think that people... At least I hope people like it when I'm just talking by myself because um, I'm going to keep it up. It'll be random like Costco almanacs or just if I have a message I want to say or something that's been on my mind, I want to speak it. But the plan is probably for most episodes to do just a talk and interview um, a podcast with a friend or a guest or someone I know. And so with those I'm basically saying that the guest is the director. I'm just the producer. Um, like if people have a specific thing they want to talk about, we can talk about that. Or if we want to follow another like podcast genre, I'm down for whatever. Um, the only through line in this podcast is going to be me. So I guess it will be a deep inspection of my uh, inner self, my this intimate thing podcasting is so uh that's kind of weird and vulnerable but i'm also really comfortable with it i'm pretty much an open book um i'm talking really fast again i'm i'm also i don't care about doing a good job in most things but i do like these things i make to be pleasing and so i am gonna try and improve my like talking on a mic my cadence. I'm, I'm still going to be a weird talker who says things and kind of runs over words or makes weird pauses because that's what I do. I'm going to have way too many details because that's what I'm going to do. But I want the audio to be as good as possible for this podcast. So improvements to come. I'm getting a couple more microphones. I'm excited for that people will be able to uh, have their own. So the audio fidelity is going to go way up. Um but yeah, each episode will just be whatever it whatever it is. So I don't expect people to listen to every single episode of this podcast. I don't expect anyone to even listen to this podcast. It's been wild. The uh, the amazing reception I've gotten and just the people that have told me they listened to it and liked it um, has been really special. So if someone's listening three minutes, 30 seconds in. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, these are just my random ramblings and sometimes I feel like, why do, what does anyone care? Why does anyone want to listen to this? Um, and sometimes I don't know, but that's all right. I'm, I'm honored that, uh, people like the stuff that I do. Um, but where was I going? Yeah. This episode, I'm just talking, I'm just spinning out. Uh, gosh, I feel 
I'm just, this is like so stream of consciousness that it does, it gets kind of vulnerable sometimes. Um, but I also really like that. I think it's very authentic, straight from the twisted minds of Bryn Nelson. Uh, but it's, it's a new experience for me, even still with the slob core. Um, but it's also been really cool. Like something about like, I have always been very self-conscious about my voice and I mean, everyone like when they hear their voice recorded, it's not that fun. Uh, but I haven't really liked my voice most of my life. Um, and it's been really mind blowing to hear friends say that they think I have a nice voice and they like hearing it in the slob core and I'm just like calming and people like to listen to me talk. Um, so that's like still kind of wild. Like part of me doesn't believe it, but that's the part of me that I've been getting better at just not listening to the, uh, inner judgment and unnecessary shame and all that good stuff, bad stuff, but good stuff to learn about and to, um, yeah, just to keep on your mind and to think about, gosh, five minutes in, what the hell am I talking about? <laughs> this is this is an especially loopy doopy. Uh, I feel like this is a good one to fall asleep to because I feel like I'm speaking like someone explaining a dream because uh, I don't really have a thesis statement I'm trying to get to. I'm just talking and I'm probably feeling the air. I probably can have more dramatic pauses to really give my narration some aplomb. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. So I'm, why am I still on like explaining what I'm going to do? I'm just going to start talking and see where it goes. And maybe I won't post this. This is feeling embarrassing now how much I'm just fucking <laughs> oh gosh but who knows what i'll get into here um i'm there will probably be some silliness there will probably be some seriousness i'll probably talk about the world and the going ons of the world that occupy our attention uh but hmm Ooh, I've I've had this title or phrase stuck in my mind and I really think about things in this framework um, for a while. And I I don't know exactly what it means. And maybe it seems obvious, but this is just uh, my thinkings. But I've really been feeling like we're going through a crisis of connection in this country and just in the world as a human race. Um, excuse me. Ooh, there's that orange LaCroix burp. Um, and I think what I mean by that, it's, it's not a thing where it's like, Oh yeah, the pandemic it's really, it plays into just alienation that is caused by, my, I would say capitalism and profit motives and not focusing on community and people first, but there's other things that wield power and wield influence, which has been true throughout human history, but this is the stage we're at. And uh, 
So there's just like communities being destroyed. Um, income inequality is a massive factor. Systemic racism, things like redlining, things like white flight and uh, America becoming so many more suburbs and suburban living. Um, I mean, Southwest Portland's basically a suburbs. Whenever I'm talking about this stuff, I'm not like saying that I'm some high and mighty person who knows all this stuff. And there's a lot about the suburbs that I've really liked. But I, I think about uh, an Adam Ruins Everything episode about the suburbs. And just he was talking about like when all the homeowners in suburbs that retain their homes, like if you can't drive anymore, you're kind of hosed. They're not really walkable. Um, a lot of it is, excuse me, you got to drive like 15, 20 minutes to get groceries in some. I mean, there's lots of different types of suburbs and some will have business and commerce, but um, a lot of it is just to be sequestered away from the city. And uh, I think it's led to a lot of really damaging things in our society. And I do think it's part of this crisis of connection um, is just like hypercharging that American individuality uh, to the point of, yeah, just, mm, man, I don't really know exactly how to explain this or the perfect way. I think people are probably picking up what I'm putting down. Um, and I have a really, I think generation wise, age wise, me and my friends who are on the same age always talk about this and maybe everyone thinks the same way, but we feel like we grew up in a very interesting spot in time where when we were little kids and first growing up, there was like the internet. I'm 27. So I was born in 1995 and we had the internet as long as I can remember. And we always had computers. Um, but it really wasn't till I was in high school that smartphones were like a common occurrence cell phones i think i got my first cell phone in seventh grade and this was back in the day when like oh we always i always reminisce about how good the internet used to be um we'll talk about like early youtube and before it was like so many ads on all these places and before a lot of um big commercial projects and big capitalist entities and companies had like infiltrated in the way that they are now like back in the day i mean even before ads were on youtube it was amazing um and before the algorithms got really powerful there was less of like okay here's the game if you want to be a youtuber making money you should make your videos 10 minutes long and here are the things to do here's the way to do a thumbnail like right now there's such a meta game when it comes to making money on any social media because you just had to play by the algorithm that back in the day before algorithms really took off, even like social media, like MySpace days, they were just, I guess, weaker algorithms or there's less recommended stuff and more things you actually followed. I don't know all of the details of like the tech and the internet, um, but just as a user, like experience these times, YouTube was way better back in the day. There used to be way more websites. That's one thing. Like there was StumbleUpon, which was just a website that you would, uh, if you haven't been on it, you would just basically hit a randomizer and it would send you to a random website. And there were just like a lot of more unique 
silly things and like some websites are like little games. Um, but stumble upon closed basically cause the internet being like that kind of died. I feel like at least my, the way I use it and I go to a lot more websites than most people. Like I go to lots of different news sites, but most people it's just, you go to either social media or like Reddit or, um, maybe people still on Tumblr, but you go to one place and there's where you see all the content. Um, and it works great. I mean, that's the way I do it now, but it was just a younger, younger age of the internet. It was less commercialized. It was less like one thing I remember when YouTube, when like SNL videos were first getting posted on there. Um, and that's such a big change. And like the top, page of youtube like most views used to be just like fun random viral stuff made by random people and then it was basically oh here's the clips from late night shows and here's the um another snl skit uh is the top viewed youtube video um and i think that was like one thing that i remember as maybe a damn breaking or like the start of a new age um, where there's just a lot more money to be made in the attention economy and the platforms which host all the content like they are doing things too to boost ad views and to boost ad revenue um which isn't new i mean that's how like all media has worked in the history of the u.s but with the internet it's just supercharged and it has a lot of uh knock-on effects i would say so i think um just growing up at the time that i did when social media was really becoming more of a thing and uh, kind of maturing into whatever spot it's at now um, and just like Facebook, uh, like buying up so much and the internet and big tech are just so many monopolies that are super powerful. Like that's the way to make money with a, with a website these days is you just have to have like such a huge share of the market. Um, so like big tech does suck in a lot of those ways. There's just any like cool new website or cool new um, technology will just eventually get bought up by Google or Facebook or Twitter or any of those, any of those uh, huge power players in the internet, which is so widely used across the globe. So, this all to say growing up um, with social media, like as a matured and having those perspectives, I don't know. It's uh, something that I think about a lot and I, I think is probably one of the biggest generational divides. I personally, I think uh, like the generational war boomers versus millennials and Gen Z messing everything up. A lot of generational talk is uh, pretty, um, I don't know. It lacks a lot of context and it lacks nuance. Um, but I do think it is fascinating to just witness changes through culture and through society and the ways that we interact with our world and the conditions that we live in and the ways that we interact with each other. Um, I think the internet and just the different ways that different age groups use it and what they get from it and how to engage with it. Um, and even how like different generations use different websites, like everyone, 
that's that's uh, this is why I don't like talking about it, because like there are boomers and there are people older than boomers who are on TikTok and who are on Instagram and who are in Discord, like websites that are more associated with Gen Z or millennials. Um, but I do think it is true that like a lot of millennials basically left Facebook and don't go on there when that's a place that's now in my mind used by a lot um an older at least in the US um and i guess amongst more like my social circles typically an older user base is on facebook and uh millennials are on places more like twitter and instagram and gen z's on twitter and instagram and tiktok a lot more but this is also dumb because everyone uses everything but i do think like with the internet there was no there's no social etiquettes and social norms, etiquettes and social norms as there are um, in real life in person, um, which in some ways can be really cool, but it also leads to kind of a loss of connection and community. Like if the internet is a place we spend a lot of our time, I just wish it was more of a communal social space that isn't like, ruled by the same market conditions that uh, like the rest of our society kind of has a lot of too. And so I, I just think about the ways that the internet um, became so corporate and so ruled by algorithms to boost ad revenue and to boost ad sales. That just makes me think a lot of the ways that uh, like every single social media site should have a tab where you can just say, here are all the people that I have like actual close connections with and I want to see only their stuff. But the reason social media sites don't do that is it's so important for them just to have one thing you th scroll through so they can show you recommended, they can show you more ads. They don't want to give you the options to be like, oh, I'm on Instagram and I only want to see all my friends from college. Let me scroll through the feed of just friends from college or here's my family or here's all my comedy stuff. No, they need to like all shove it in, schlep it together into one feed um, because that's just the way that the endless scroll works. And so I, I think a lot of the ways like that is designed for the profit motive and just for the incentives to get people trapped in there and to use the app as much as possible. And so it's just like, there's these coercive systems um, that are done kind of sneakily in the frameworks of these websites and of these social media platforms. And uh, I just think like, what if there was something that was like municipally owned or government owned, like a government owned Facebook is an interesting thing to think about. Cause I would think that social media that was public would be kind of act in the same way the post office is like when you mail stuff, there's a lot of constitutional protections. And so I think like they can't go through your mail as much as like UPS or uh, FedEx can. I'm not sure the full details of that, but um, so I don't want it to be a thing where it's like, the government is constantly watching, which I mean, they already are with the NSA and stuff and like Facebook and social media sites cooperating with federal law enforcement and uh, breaking privacy. Um, but if Facebook was basically like the digital post office or if that's what social media was or that's what email was like, 
if Gmail was run by the government, there would be like there could be certain levels of like encryption and um, privacy and it wouldn't be companies just constantly getting hacked and giving out your Facebook or your uh, credit card info or constantly having to change passwords. And like companies are so bad with our information and our privacy because it's not really they just need to be doing good enough that people will trust them. Um, but it's not in their incentive to have like the best security or best practices with your data. Cause that's what they're also making your money on. And so an, an internet institution or a big social media platform that doesn't have the incentives, if it was funded, if it had, um, yeah, certain like democratic tendencies built within the framework I think that'd be so much better than just like this Mark Zuckerberg loser who thinks he's like Augustus Caesar um, running this thing that has huge impacts. And like Facebook has aided in so much. And like even I think it was like in a. I don't know, just a lot of like awful things around the world, like there's been so much hate pushed and like even genocides that are going on or at least like a ethnic cleansings. I know Facebook has been like credibly proven to be a place where those like things have built. Um, and so, yeah, there's just not much uh, regulation or not much consequences for social media platforms. And so they've been really hurtful. Uh, there's my social media rant. That's all to say growing up, um, at my age, I feel like I guess I'm a zillennial or I'm just like the very end of millennials. So I think Gen Z, honestly, I still don't fully like I have no clue what high schoolers think is cool. And high schoolers, are they even Gen Z? Or are they the next one? I think they're like the tail end of Gen Z. And oh gosh, I hate generation stuff. It's so dumb. Um, but yeah, I don't really know what young people are up to, but uh, I know. Um, young people, and this is even people my age and older, like huge rates of like uh, depression and anxiety and just a lot of existential dread. Um, and also, I think that we're feeling this crisis of connection, which <laughs> 22 minutes in and I'm just getting back to this. Uh, but yeah, I feel like I've this the reason I think about this is because in my own personal, like mental health journey and just uh, a lot of the growth that I've done in the last couple of years was to realize how much I had disconnected first from myself um, and eventually disconnected from a lot of my community and friends and family. Even, even if I was still seeing them, I really, I was in a place where I wasn't like, I think I was just kind of numb and just kind of, uh, oh, excuse me. And I was just filled with a lot of like self-consciousness and like lack of self-esteem. And I, in college I'd been pretty depressed and that's when I started to pull away from people and just feel less like anchored to myself. Um, and just kind of going through the motions a lot. And, uh, I think 
even for a while after like I my mental health was improving, I still had a lot of social anxiety and I had a lot of like of the same things a lot of people go through. Like you graduate college and you're just working and it's like different. It's hard to make friends. It's hard to know like how people are making friends. There are a lot of people that I'd kind of disconnected from for a while. And even though I was like back in Portland, um, I was just stressing out about it to the point of inaction. And I, I can be pretty comfortable in like not doing that much in an action. Um, but I realized I was just like stressing myself out. Um, and so I think it was probably during the quarantine where I just moved into my own apartment. I was like kind of looking forward to like reconnecting with people and having a place to uh, a place of my own that I can host and do dinners and stuff. Like I was living with my parents for about three years, which was great. Um, but it's like when I just had a room in my parents' house, it wasn't the same where I felt like just having people over all the time. I'd mainly go over to other people's like people did come over, but it's, it's just a different thing. Um, but then what do you know? Here's COVID and I'm working a night shift for 14 months. And, uh, I was basically a hermit. Cause I was also taking all my COVID precautions pretty seriously until I got vaccinated. Uh, so I got off of work at midnight would stay up uh, playing video games and listening to podcasts till like six in the morning, eat dinner at three in the morning. Uh, and then went to work with just my one other guy who was on the night shift and my supervisor would be there for the first uh, half of my shift but I lived a very like disconnected from people life, which a lot of people could relate to during the quarantine period. Um, but I've talked about this a bunch, but I like just became a lot more. Oh, the Internet is where all of my friends live now because I'm not seeing people in person. And that's where I realized the Internet is can be used for. Uh, it's like a public forum. It's just a place where you can share and I've seen like I hadn't been a poster. I was always more of a lurker, but watching how people use it is like, oh, yeah, there's so many ways to do this. But I think I had been kind of frozen in place. Like, I don't know exactly. I didn't quite understand why to post so much. I felt like I didn't have much to say. And I think that kind of goes back to the crisis of connection thing. Like a lot of people just use the Internet to look at stuff, which is fine. Like there's no judgment here, but personally when I became someone who actually engaged and commented and like DM people and they did cool stuff and started posting just cool memes I saw or my own thoughts or starting all these art random art projects. I've just been like squeezing the connection and the community out of the internet in such a interesting way. That's really been beneficial to my life. And, um, so I that I, I feel like I was kind of healing that crisis of connection thing where I knew the Internet was a big thing. And I really have always been like an Internet kid. I've, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an Internet weirdo. What can I say? Um, but it was in the quarantine, like making community and making good connections and realizing through like making new friends online. I was like, man, I really haven't been making new friends in person. And so 
it was realizing how much I'd missed that community and how many people I'd like disconnected with. And it was like dumb things. There's someone maybe from high school I really liked who I hadn't seen in five years. And rather than just like say, Hey, what's up? Do you want to hang out? I was so stressed out. Like, Oh, like it's been so long. I need to make sure I explain all of the intricacies of what happened in my life and like have this apologetic attitude where it's like, yeah, I'm sorry. Here's why we haven't talked and it's my fault and blah, 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 blah. Um, so I had like all those stresses and it's been, it's been so nice, like reconnecting with people and really being affirmed that for me, my like personal relationships and connections with people aren't bound by like space or time. Uh, really like whenever I see a friend, even if it's been six or seven years, like it's maybe a little bit different, but we always pick up where we left off and life is busy and you're just in different places and you're doing different stuff. And, uh, so I was just making up this own worry in my mind. That's that's another thing I really realized over quarantine is how much of my stresses and my anxieties, it's really just my brain being mean to me. And it's things that I, I've read into so much and I've like um, ruminated on so for so long that I have I, I don't have an objective lens on the reality and just being more aware of that and the ways that I'm doing that and really understanding my anxiety Um I've been able to kind of just think about more of like how I like to interact with people and what I want out of life. And uh, from that, I've just made so many connections and I feel, I feel the most Bryn, Bryntastic that I've felt in a long time um, this last maybe two or three years. And so I'm so grateful for all the new connections I've made in the last couple of years and all the new friends that I've made and also all the old friends that I've maybe reconnected with, or maybe you're an old friend. We haven't fully reconnected, but even just seeing the stuff that I post online, or if you're 30 minutes into my dumb podcast where I've been rambling on for so long, I, uh, it just, it, it does my heart good. Um, making those reconnections and using the internet for, something positive for myself and the way that those internet connections have also gotten me back into making real life face-to-face human connections, which is uh, what I think a lot of people are lacking these days. Talk about crisis connection. And if you're feeling that, if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling like um, all sorts of stuff, if you're really depressed, if you're going through it, Just know that, like, at least I've found kind of everyone is like, it's such a stressful, anxious time. And we've all been going through a lot over the years that um, I think so often it's easy just to uh, how do I want to put this? At least for me, it's yeah, it's easy to get stressed out to the point of an action or to have my anxiety so bad that I don't have the energy to go out and do stuff. And this is not to say I've like cured my anxiety. Um, I definitely have, and I'm still really anxious. And now part of the reason like being with people and being with friends and doing things like this really helps me manage it. 
And it just really emphasized to me like how much community is important, how much connection is important, how much mutual support and respect and just talking to someone or making connections or sharing a meal with someone, how much those things are really um, crucial. And it's just really wonderful. Like so many days in the week I'm having like pretty meaningful connections and fun conversations and getting deep uh, or just being silly and having good laughs. And compared to some of the maybe like three years ago or four years ago when I was maybe five or six, even who knows, but times where I was in a depression and I was a lot more isolated, self-isolated um, or isolated because of the big disease, um, just comparing how I've kind of shed a lot of that social anxiety has been really wonderful just to think back about and to be glad for all those times like this journey, those times were important too. And those are places where I learned a lot about myself and I just kept it going. And I, uh, I don't have like regrets about those times, but it's nice to make improvements and just to, deeper connect with like my mental health stuff and to know what I want from this world more. And also just know that it's kind of chaos and things are constantly changing, but feeling secure in myself and feeling supported and feeling like I got my community with me and that I can lend support and I can receive support. And there's just so much fun and fellowship. Um, so I'm thankful for that. And that was mainly just me bragging right there about how lucky I feel and how many good connections I have. But that's also to say, like, I hope that doesn't seem like I'm just bragging um, because I've been at points where even when I have the support and I have community, I have like felt that loneliness and I felt that disconnection and like unable. There were years where I felt like I didn't have, I didn't have the capacity to have super deep conversations um, because I was just in like such a, such a depression where, um, yeah, I just, uh, my mind wasn't in it in the same way. And I was just, I don't know. I can talk about that stuff all the time, but um, this is to say that the connection is out there and, your people are out there and people that like friends that you maybe haven't talked to in a while. I'm sure they'd love to hear from you. Um, and it does, it is kind of scary, like putting in that effort. Um, but for me, the last like year has kind of been an experience of still having that social anxiety. And sometimes before I hang out with a friend, I'm like a little bit nervous about it, but really being able to push through and to, feel like I'm making better connections and communicating well while also acknowledging my anxieties and finding ways to manage them. But when you have like a mate, 10 amazing meals with friends, some you haven't seen in a while or some you haven't talked to in forever, it kind of just being out there and putting in the work, like it's hard for me to get anxious in the same way. Cause I have, that cold, hard proof that, oh, no, this was great when I hung out with my friend I hadn't seen since high school. And we had like an amazing conversation and a great meal. Um, so and that came 
from a long time of me thinking about what I want to do, how I want to be spending my time um, and how I like to share what I'm doing. And so Slobcore has been like great for that. I feel kind of just posting this like intimate personal journal, but it's also interesting content and people seem to like the food and they like to just see what I'm doing. And it's a little different than a lot of internet, um, internet content. People have said they like the authenticity, which is really makes me glad because I'm not like trying to create authenticity, but I think just the ways that I do this and the way that I do it so spontaneously and just show what I'm cooking normally in my life, there is authenticness that comes with that. Um, but it's been wonderful for me to kind of like share this thing that I love and all the food that I love and to um, just be creative and access that creative spirit that I've really disconnected from for the long time too. Um, and to find ways to express myself and to involve friends and family and it's just been wonderful, actually, that people are responding to it. And I mean, people are listening to this dang podcast like that is it's still so wild to me. I've just been talking for 37 minutes and there's probably people who've listened all this way. What the heck? I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> OK, but for real, anyway, I think this is how I'm going to tie it all back. Um, I talk about this stuff because I do think there is that crisis of connection. And I think a lot of people feel like they're really feeling disconnected from people or feeling lonely or um, I don't know, lots of stuff. And so I talk about this because I hope in my introspection and my reflection that I'm not just like bragging about having friends, but I'm you can kind of see where I'm coming from and how it is like a constant journey. And, uh, but I talk about it and I think about it all the time because I just felt like I, I didn't even know how to use the internet. I didn't know like how to have friends in this way, in this new world when you're out working a job and you're no longer in a nice um, structured environment like uh, high school or college. And uh, I definitely have seen from other people on the internet kind of say the same things. So it's like, once you're an adult, how do you make friends? How do you find someone to date? How do you um, build a community? What do you do with your friends? Like, so I, I think about this stuff a lot and I'm sharing it, which I just said for like the fourth time. Oh my gosh. I don't know if this made a dang lick of sense, um, but think about uh, just your connections in life and um, maybe things you want to improve or things that you people you'd like to have a better connection with. And it just takes a bit of reflection and intentionality and just a little bit of effort, but it's so worth it. And that's really building community and being in yeah just being in community with people and so giving support and receiving support and having fun with friends laughing eating all the things are so good and important 
And we are humans. We're social creatures. Break away from capitalism as much as you can and just try and build community because that's we got some trying times ahead. And that's what's uh, I think most important, honestly. So for sitting through 40 minutes of my ramblings, hmm, I'm going to dispense a piece of Bryn lore. What is a good Bryn story that my loyal listeners should listen to right now? Hmm. I got I got some good ones. I've also got a lot of bad ones. And regardless of if this is a good or a bad one, it will be an overly detailed one because that's how I tell stories. Hmm. Well, I think, ooh, this, okay, I got the perfect one. This was, uh, I think I was 12. I think I was 12 and I was, it was either sixth or seventh grade. I don't fully remember. But um, my Tanta Birit, my great aunt, my Norwegian great aunt lives in New York. Um, just, I think she's, right now she's just north of New York City. Um, and my two older siblings, when they are on the same age, Tanta flew them out and they uh, had a nice vacation and it was just a good time to spend and seeing the city. And so I was really excited when I was that age. And yes, this was the first time I got a cell phone was for this trip, which turned out to be so good because I was 12. So I think I was too old to be like, or it was going to cost or as old enough that I didn't have to be an unattended minor, even though that's what I was, I didn't have to get like babysat by a flight attendant. Um, so my parents, got me a phone for this trip so I could contact them if there was anything, I think mainly just during the trip or anything that went wrong on the flights. And I had a layover in Chicago O'Hare. Um, I think it was a morning flight and I get to Chicago O'Hare and it turns out there's like storms over by New York where I'm flying to. And so there are just so many delays. Um, I, I don't know when I first like how I first learned it was canceled, but it was kind of like freaky or that the next my next flight was delayed. And then it just kept getting delayed and they kept updating the screen. And so I definitely remember either texting or calling mama and like, oh, my gosh, like this is going on. And so she was I think she was calling the airport and like trying to get notices. But <laughs> that trip i had a one of the old mac laptops but the only dvd that i brought was uh king kong the jack black one which is like a three and a half hour movie and my memories from being stuck in chicago hair is i watched that movie twice back to back in the same day just plugged in my computer oh it had that weird the power cord was that weird circle thing on those old old like chrome mac laptops <laughs> uh those those were a weird cord how strange anyway um so i watched that twice i kept calling mama because they kept delaying it and then i went to the bathroom and when i got out of the bathroom everyone waiting for my flight was gone there was not even anyone at the desk so that was definitely a time where she called um and 
it turns out that they had announced that the gate was changing, but I was like freaking out. Like I've always kept my cool pretty well, but I was pretty scared. So I'm just a little kid alone here in Chicago hair, but all he's doing is watching King Kong twice and walking around. And I swear to God, that airport has like 10 McDonald's. It was amazing. I definitely was just like hitting up fast food and walking and seeing all the sites, just trying to keep myself occupied. And so it was kind of a fun little stressful adventure. Um, but finally, I had a late flight and Tonta picked me up and I'm sure it was all right. But it was quite the day being a 12 year old by myself stuck in Chicago O'Hare with my little flip phone with the green speaker on the front. I don't even remember what it was. We had T-Mobile, I'm pretty sure. Um, but I was glad I had a phone for that. I'm glad I had the laptop in King Kong. Uh, but that was kind of a funny piece of Bryn lore. Anyway, I'm going to end it here. I'm going to listen to this one and see if I even like it. Cause, uh, I don't know. I, I'm every time I just talk long like this, especially I'm not talking with someone. So it feels very weird just ranting into a microphone for 46 minutes and, uh, it's kind of tiring, but it's also fun and I hope people enjoyed it. Um, thanks so much. Appreciate you much, Lee. And we got some fun ones, fun podcast slobcast episodes on deck with some hilarious, awesome guests. So stay tuned. Bye bye. <laughs>